Welcome to the Dharma Spring. So the vow this time is, I vow not to praise myself at the expense of others. And pretty immediately what comes up for me here is along the lines of giving credit where credit's due. When I've had an accomplishment, um, have done something, and I'm either something official, sometimes that happens, there's a ceremony or something where I might be speaking, or it could just be somebody acknowledging something that I've done, and to make sure that I include the others that have helped me um, to some degree, to the appropriate degree, yeah. To recognize, well, I didn't do this all on my own. So it's important to give credit and acknowledge those who have helped me and been a part of my journey, things like that. But the caveat here is it's also important not to diminish my part. I think that's a more common move is to, if a compliment comes, if something I've done is recognized and somebody says it to me, there's that deflection that can sometimes happen of, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Oh yeah, but so-and-so helped and the conditions are right. You know, all these things I might say to kind of minimize the credit that I am due. So yeah, along those there's a balancing there. Give credit where credit is due, and also when credit is due to you, or to me, allow it in. Take it in. And when a compliment comes, say thank you, and acknowledge it, um, rather than deflect. And that sometimes can be uncomfortable, just for me personally, sometimes to have that focus of attention. That's what makes me uncomfortable and want to, uh, it's really me uh, wanting to not be in that particular spotlight, I think, at that moment. So I want to bring others in to share it with me, but also to lessen that uncomfortable feeling to be able to, you know, not be singled out like that. <laughs> and then that can also roll into, okay, yes, let me take credit when it is due to me. Let me honor what I've done. If I get a compliment, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And that means a lot, you know, and be genuine about it. Um, I often find there's this kind of, oh, surprise that comes out of me. Not on purpose. It's just like, oh, it's nice, and I'm surprised for some reason. And it, I think it helps me meet that, or it's an, an expression of meeting that compliment more freshly because I wasn't expecting the compliment, and there it was. Okay, then there's the vice versa. Maybe I am expecting the compliment, and it doesn't come. So then what do I do? And maybe that connects to what I was about to say a moment ago is, okay, give credit to others when credit is due. Take the credit that I deserve when I've deserved it and earned it and, and own that. But also don't pump myself up more than I need be. Kind of own it in its appropriate proportion, that credit. And that would include those times of maybe not getting the credit that perhaps I thought I deserved. Maybe that's not the right phrase. It's more of um, hoping somebody would say something 
and then they don't. And then I'm in that space of, well, does my owning and you know, embodying the credit, honoring what I've done, does it depend upon somebody else saying so? Or can I own it completely within myself and not have it dependent upon what others say back to me? And I think all this is just to say there's no clear-cut way, as we're finding throughout our precept study. There's not a simple way to do this. And each moment is a new opportunity each moment like this a new opportunity to discover well what is it this time and how do I hold things in appropriate measure again giving credit where it's due taking it and owning it when it's mine and letting it rest as naturally and evenly perhaps as it can evenly to the situation that it's in not just this blanket evenness that um, of false equanimity whereas as if I don't look for praise and I am not ruffled by blame. It's like, of course I am. But sometimes I'm due blame just as much as I am due credit. I guess credit, blame is a certain kind of credit, yeah. <laughs> and to own that too, to allow that in. And again, hold it evenly, meet it evenly as appropriate to the situation. So not deflating it, not inflating it. And constantly working with it as it comes and goes moment by moment, situation by situation. And so this giving and taking of credit, especially the giving of credit to others, acknowledging that there are others that are involved with my life and my journey and helping make me what I am and allow me to do the things I do, kind of leans into the territory, a different territory here in the precept and that's of competition. Um, it seems just on a personal, everyday life kind of level, there can be this kind of competition with others. Not necessarily to like win a prize at the end or achieve something that's waiting just around the corner. It's more of for standing, for recognition for being in the world and there's you know there can be a sense of competition I notice it's kind of like having a voice having a place in the world and not letting it be diminished by others so it goes in that territory of how we sh share space and we're connected with other people other things and While I am individually looking for my place, trying to find my voice, so are others. And there's a way we can do this cooperatively, allowing each person the opportunity and the space to do so. But that gets mixed in with competing for it as well. Because not everybody's playing the same game at the same time. If everybody agreed that we're going to do this cooperatively and we're not going to compete and the rules were able to be followed, quote-unquote, uh, to the to the letter of the law, and everybody agreed and didn't, didn't go into any other area, that would be great. But the fact is, not only do we not necessarily agree on the, on the game and the rules, 
and cooperation versus competition, we each have individual circumstances at any given moment that are influencing how we're behaving. Therefore, I'm kind of vying for position, and it may not even be related to the situation I'm in. It may be something stemming from something earlier in the day that carries on into a later part of the day, and I don't even recognize that. But it comes down to, I think, just trying to own and recognize and be seen for who I am and the place that I have in the world, the place where I am at this moment, to, to be able to be there, um, to own it fully, fully. Um, <clears throat> and really to allow others to do the same at the same time. And that's where it gets sticky because it's again it's not a clear-cut way to do it there's a balance how much do I need to assert myself and you know put my foot down stand firmly where I'm at to the degree that I own the space that is mine without overtaking the space that is somebody else's and how do I recognize when I am maybe taking up too much space and and pull back pull back enough to allow the others, their space to come forward. Um, but then not so much that I retreat into my space and don't own fully what is mine. So this, you know, goes beyond, beneath this outward praising myself at the expense of others. It's just noticing, I think, for me, the dynamic and the balance that's happening all the time uh, with my position in the world in relation to others. And it's a fluid happening. It's, it's never a set, fixed position. Therefore, it's something I'm always needing to work with or have the opportunity to work with, inwardly and outwardly with others. So, another aspect of this to look out. Not as overt as the first taking credit and giving credit but to acknowledge maybe there's a certain type of energy related to this that's constantly present in one way or another. So the, when I think about that space, Bodhidharma's words come to mind. I always I really appreciate this particular uh, wording from Bodhidharma. I mean, every time we do this, every time we go through this series, we come to this one, and it's like, ah, yeah, I really like that part of well, the, the way things are is mysterious and hard to see. In a world of the Dharma of equals, not insisting on I and you is called the vow of not praising yourself at the expense of others. So it's that bit about not insisting on I and you that, really, that I really enjoy. Because it doesn't say not to recognize an I and you. So that's really about owning my space, letting you own your space. Um, and that's the work of giving credit and taking credit in appropriate measure when it's due and when it's earned. So there isn't just a blanket, we're all one situation going on here. It's acknowledging, again, there is an I and a you, but not insisting upon I and you. To me, what that highlights is even though there is an I and a you, there's a connection 
between us where we are not two. And that goes to that, what has been said previously here of what I am and who I am and what I do and accomplish cannot help but depend upon others because there's those inherent connections between myself and other people, the world, other beings, all of that. So it's another balancing act, another game, so to speak. Um, how do I honor the differences, honor my space and your space, but not lose the connection in the course of doing that by getting too insistent upon me versus you? And I think it it becomes a versus instead of an not to, the and, you and me, versus you versus me is really about that recognition and finding my place and being seen in my place being acknowledged for who I am being allowed to be who I am and sometimes who I am isn't a comfortable thing to be and that way I might put up some defenses and some barriers and that's when the verses comes along or those moments of being unseen and unheard or feeling like I've been unseen and unheard that can also be isolating then I can you know, put up walls and barriers but also be shooting out maybe it's just eye daggers shooting out daggers through my eyes giving this dunk eye or my mind spinning about what's wrong with that other person and why they didn't do this and that and that's when it becomes me versus you but that's really well, it's connected to the happening that's in the world, the external happening, but it also is connected to my own sense of being in the world and being in my place and owning what's uncomfortable, perhaps, for me at times. And even that, you know, the uncomfortable place, it's mine. And if I'm dividing things up and seeing, you know, making it, putting the verses in the way, that's really me versus me, I think. It's me having a hard time owning up to who I am. Um, and I can recognize that. Maybe lean into that uncomfortability, lean into where I'm at at that moment. And just really coming to know my place, to embody it and to inhabit it fully here in the world. So when I, when, I, when I can do that, or when it happens, I don't know, sometimes it just happens without my doing. Um, I notice there's this, like, this grace that falls upon everything and allows everything to be in its place. And out of that rises one of the, um, the four immeasurables, sympathetic joy. It's a place where I'm not competing with others, not trying to, you know, well, there's not the verses. I, somebody else's joy, somebody else's accomplishment, I can truly feel joy for them without it having to be connected to anything about, well, that's not my joy. Or, yeah, but, no, none of that arises. Truly, that sympathetic joy, because I realize there is no I and you to, to insist upon. 
your joy is my joy. Uh, at the end of one of our dedications, as we say, let us take joy in each other's joy. And likewise, your sorrow is my sorrow, your pain is my pain, struggle, all of that, we share it. And when, again, I'm allowing myself to fully embody the place I'm at and coming from there, and thus allowing the same for others, you know, when, the, when, the, when things click and that magic kind of happens, it's, it brings forth really the, the feeling that I get reading Dogen's words. Buddhas and ancestors realize the vast sky and the great earth. When they appear in their noble body, their vastness has no inside or outside. When they appear in their true body, there is not even a bit of earth on the ground. Um, so this place of deep, essential non-separation, of deep connection, unity of realizing that when I find my place and inhabit it I allow others to do the same I give them the space and the opportunity and can support them in doing so and that's where I realize there's this joined joined and joint endeavor we're all working toward is how to find my place in the world, how to have a voice, how to be me. When I realize everybody's doing that, I don't have to compete with them because they're not me. They are their own person. They're trying to find their me while I'm trying to find and be my me. So we're in this together. And that cooperative place arises from that realization and diminishes when I lose sight of it, lose connection with it. So I much prefer the cooperative place. Um, everything finding its place. Everything allowed to be what it is. And that extends not only to the world around me, but to the world within me. So that uncomfortability, the things about myself that I don't like. The things within me that I would like to push away into the dark and diminish. And tuck away, never to be seen again. Well, that, they're there too, and they have a place and a time. They may not be there for the duration of my existence. Some things will, but there's some that have a place and a time to be within me. And if I can allow them, the difficult things, the not-so-shiny, bright things of myself, if I can allow them to be, even if it's just for me, inside my internal landscape... then they are not having to compete for space among the more bright, shiny, uh, pleasing attributes that I have. I realize even within, everything has a place and a, and a right to be there for as long as it deserves. Give it its credit for showing up, offering what it's offering in that moment, a chance to know myself, to own that space within. Yeah. And... Um, then I don't have to hold on too tightly or at all to the more pleasing things and the thing, the positive. I don't have to pump those up because I realize they are not threatened or endangered 
by my darker, more difficult things. That they, too, those two sides, are just like me and everything else in the world, existing together, connected, individual, unique, have their own expression, have their own place, yet they are not two. They are not in competition. They're part of the harmony and balance of being. Yeah. This brings to mind, and this is where I'll close, um, something I, I talked about a little bit ago in a talk, and I keep finding to, well, I keep finding it showing up and being affirmed and reaffirmed. It's what I talked about um, was how Zen and practices of this sort are more ecocentric in nature rather than being egocentric. And I can see the hinges of this vow in that when things are egocentric, when they're about me, and that becomes a central thing, becomes centric, it's more difficult. When things are ecocentric, then I'm one part of a vast array of life. And again, within me, there's a vast array of life and different ways of being. So within and without, an array of being in which everything has a place and a time. As the Chinese say, I'm just one of the 10,000 things, and the 10,000 things being everything in existence. So to acknowledge that, the 10,000 things out in the world and the 10,000 things of myself within myself, the internal 10,000 things. <laughs> um, then that cooperative, how to, how to build an ecocentric, a healthy ecology, really, with that ecocentric approach. How do, I f how do we have a healthy ecology here? <clears throat> inwardly and outwardly. And that comes down to things being in harmony and balance, which fluctuates. And the harmony and balance, again, connects to things having their place, and finding their place, and offering what they can offer from their place, and from their place of being what they are. Unapologetically, in a sense, but not brazenly, wielding themselves upon the world, but offering what they are meant to offer, each thing. And then there's that cooperative, nourishing way of being. Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.